to episode 109 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Brandon Chowan, and joining me tonight is my other co-host, Mark Nadeau. Mark, how the hell are you, buddy? Good, good. If I'm feeling a little congested, I'm just getting over a cold, but uh, I'm ready to talk movies. Hell yes, I have a giant glass of wine, literally half a bottle of wine fit into this glass I'm drinking right now, so Uh, hopefully... I'm uh, drinking water. Yeah. (laughs) I am uh, fortunate I have tomorrow off, so I figured I better get a glass of wine in before. Nice. Yeah. Hell yes. Excellent. So tonight, we are here to discuss our fifth film in the Roger, uh, rather the Corman Poe cycle with The Raven from 1963. Then we'll move on to round 39 of the Best in the Backlog Challenge, discussing Children of the Corn 3, Urban (laughs) Harvest, and Bunny the Killer Thing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. So before we do that, though, let's talk about social media. And just a reminder that you can follow us outside of just listening here on the show. You can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. You can find us on YouTube, on Instagram, uh, Facebook, all of those right at Cinefessions. Basically, if it's a social media platform that's worth being on, you can find us there at Cinefessions. And... Best of all, you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of the show. Just give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. And as I mentioned, you can follow us on Instagram. Mark posts tons of uh, reviews there, um, including all of his uh, media pickups as he gets them uh, throughout Mm -hmm. the day. So definitely give that a follow if you haven't. And uh, you can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Cinefessions. And definitely follow us on YouTube. I actually just did a an unboxing video on YouTube this past week of the new Stranger Things Season 1 uh, Target exclusive Blu-ray DVD collection. So super short video, but I decided to put it on YouTube. So definitely give that a viewing and a thumbs up if you have not already and definitely subscribe there. So, And if you are a fan of the show... Please do us a huge favor. Leave us that review on iTunes. As Mark pointed out a couple weeks ago, uh, it's super simple to leave us a review. You don't even have to write anything. You can just give us a five-star review and move on with your day, and we would really appreciate that. Even more important than that, arguably, is just tell your friends about us. Let people know that we exist so that they can too, they too can uh, give us a listen. And so if you like what we're doing, let somebody else who you think might enjoy us, let them know we're here. That way we can uh, reach more ears, which is always the goal. So, that's that, I mm-hmm. guess. So, Mark, what have you been doing this past week? Uh, not too, too much uh, since our last uh, recorded episode. Uh, I've worked the last five days. So, I was oh, able okay. to tidy up a few things. Um, mm-hmm. I finished watching uh, season five of House of Cards. So, I am now okay. up to date. So, when season six comes out, probably, I would say, what, maybe May, June next year, I'll be ready for it. Um, will I remember everything? Maybe not. <laughs> but, uh, right. Matt, you know, I started watching all five seasons this year. In order, obviously. And uh, mm. what a great show. Like, I was blown away by uh, Robin uh, Wright and uh, by Kevin Spacey. Uh, even, the, even the supporting cast. It's such a good show. So, and and that was Netflix's first TV show. That was their first foray into their own right. scripted television. So I'm like, sweet. I finished House of Cards. Let's go with their. Well, you know what? That's not true. Um, 
Their first show is Lily Hammer, which I never watched. So oh, this is yeah, I, you know, I've heard of that, but I that does not have nearly the following that a House of Cards has. I would I no, would I think there were two seasons, then it di- uh, died, then it was uh, canceled. Oh, okay. um, I might go check it out. I don't know, but I was really interested just because we're in the holidays, holiday season, in the Halloween season, which is a holiday, my personal holiday, mm-hmm. even though I do live Halloween. Three and six, five days a year. Um, I started watching Hemlock Grove. And as of uh, this recording, I'm six episodes in of season one. And I don't know if I still, I don't know if I like it or not yet. Um, It is not on the same caliber of House of Cards when it comes to quality. Um, Special effects wise, some shots look really cheap. Then they other establishing shots, you know, nature shots, whatever looks really good. Um, the, the act, uh, thing is, I think Hemma Grove tries to be Netflix's answer to Twin Peaks because everybody's quirky and it's slowly unraveling as the show goes along. You're not quite sure what you're watching yet. You know, Twin Peaks is a little more straightforward, but with a lot of like crazy stuff that happens after the fact. You know, you know that it's about a murder, you know, that you know who the cop is, what his whole point is. But with this, it's really, uh, it's different. It's similar, but it's different that everybody's kind of eccentric. There's some really weird characters. Mm-hmm. We really, at this point of my viewing, I don't know anything about them. So that's slowly starting to unravel a bit. We're getting bits into the shows, get, you know, move along. Um, unlike Twin Peaks, I don't know if I like the leads at all. Uh, one is, I think okay. it's Bill Sarsgaard who played Pennywise in the last It film. Um, he plays, uh, one of the Godfrey, uh, well, a Godfrey's son. I forget what his first name is, but rich kid, you know, self-entitled. For some reason, he's got, um, the power of the force where it can influence people, but then it starts nose bleeding. Um, then you have mm. his only friend, which is a werewolf. And he showed him his transformation like three episodes in, which I'm not sure why, because I don't trust this Godfrey guy. Then you have Femke Jansen as the mother of the Godfrey clan. And she's got this horrible English accent, which just took me right out. Um, so I don't like her very much. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Oh, and then the, the Godfrey kid, he's got this sister who's like six foot eight. She's like 12 years old, has one like big black eye. So she looks half fly but her hair covers it and it's funny because i had to check imdb because i'm like this girl is six eight six nine easy she's like a she's yeah. like a frankenstein so i checked and there's an actress that's like six seven that plays a character but with her face hidden so when she's walking in in high school or when she's walking in the hallways it's oh, it's, okay. it's a woman but then it, it cuts <laughs> to like the girl's face smiling it's weird man that's funny. um yeah so i'm gonna finish this season obviously and mm-hmm. uh We'll take it from there. Um, okay. So, yeah, so I started watching that. Um, the only film I did not watch that was in podcast related tonight was the one you watched last week, The Babysitter. Oh, yes. Oh, that's right. Okay, I'm yeah. I'm really interested to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, so I didn't watch it in the most ideal conditions. It was on my iPad, on my lap at work, on a night shift. Okay. Um, so it wasn't with the big screen. It wasn't with the surround sound. Um, I fucking loved it. Yes, it was fantastic. Like yes, I gave you five out of five on Letterbox. Like hell, yes, it's right up my alley. I felt it was very. 
it was like a like a horrific Scott Pilgrim in a way, the way that they present some stuff, yeah. like with the graphics on screen and whatnot. Um, I thought the lead actress, uh, Sam uh, Samara Weaving, which I have no clue if she's related to Hugo Weaving or not. She's Australian, so maybe. Um, <laughs> right, who knows? Yeah, uh, I thought she was tremendous. Uh, the whole film really hinges on her performance as the uh, as the babysitter, and yeah. she was so um, likable. Like I dug her right away. I thought she was fantastic. Um, even the poster art is fucking awesome. Like I love this movie. Uh, the kid uh, Judah Lewis who plays Cole was great. Um, the the people, I guess, the friends of Samara that we see later on in the film. They're all awesome, especially uh, the dude. I think that was uh, Andrew Bachelor who played uh, John. I'm pretty sure. No, that's no, that's not him. Uh, well, he was good too. Uh, but uh, Robbie Amell. Oh, that name sounds familiar. Anyways, um, for some reason he looks like uh, like Johnny Mundo from uh, from um, <laughs> He's, he, for, for yeah. one split second, I thought it was actually Johnny Mundo with his haircut. I'm like, he would not cut his hair for this. Anyways. The guy with the shirt off you're talking yeah, about, right? Yeah, I thought yeah, okay. he was yeah, hilarious. I, I did too. Yeah. Um, the whole film, like, it's a horror movie, but it's a, it's a horror comedy. And it's it's a bit gory, um, but I mm-hmm. think the humor yeah, just fucking hits. It, it got me on all yes. levels. Like, I love this film. Um, so oh, I'm so happy we can be friends. Oh, totally. God. Well, we'll see after uh, <laughs> after uh, after this podcast what you think of the rating. <laughs> right. But uh, when it comes to this comedy, I loved it. So uh, I, yeah, I got a full five out of five. The only shitty thing about this is that it's on Netflix. So are they going to release a physical I copy? No, that's this? what I was wondering. Yeah, I tweeted Netflix. Obviously, they didn't tweet me back because who am I? Um, it's Netflix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, I would love for them to like release Hush because I'd like to get – even though I didn't love Hush, I'd like to get that in my collection. Yeah. Uh, I would like that too. Yeah, Babysitter. And like the next one I want to watch uh, that I downloaded was Little Evil, which I was going to maybe watch it last night, but I decided to stick with – Oh, um, okay. With um, Hemlock Grove. Um, yeah, it's like a uh, Omen parody. Something like that. Netflix yeah. original. Yeah, but it looks similar, funny. Yeah. So. yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I, just- I love The Babysitter. Um I'm so glad. If there's any hate for the it's film, okay. I you must not have a soul. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, I it's it's been it's gotten a lot. It's only averaging a three stars on on uh, Letterbox, and it's just so divisive. Like you'll see a half a star review just saying it's how terrible it is, and you'll see our five star reviews applauding it. So well, it's interesting. But I'm so glad you saw it, and I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, I saw some people on Facebook. <coughs> Pardon me. Some people on Facebook, they're like, uh, yeah, you know what? It was okay, but it didn't uh, do anything new. I'm like, it doesn't have to do anything new. Like, every horror movie does not have to reinvent the wheel every single time. This is just enjoyable, and uh, I will obviously watch it again because Melissa wants to watch it. Uh, She was apparently waiting for me, so I felt kind of bad. But I am going to watch this again (laughs) because it is that damn good. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. So happy. And I guess one last thing, and uh, I haven't posted about it yet, but uh, mm-hmm. I've been playing, again, I've been getting back into gaming a bit and playing uh, oh, yeah, that's Zelda right. Breath of the Wild. And mm-hmm. I was stuck on a boss in Zelda for probably a good two and a half, three weeks, two weeks for sure. Um, okay. So... It's it's the, those who know Zelda or Breath of the Wild. It's in the level with the uh, big mechanical camel, and I'm at 
the uh, the last boss at Thunderbolt Ganon. Anyways, I only have six hearts. I, I, my guy, I haven't gone searching for everything. I haven't gone to any guides or FEQs to find out all the seeds to get the hearts to max out your character. I just, whatever I come across, I come across. So I guess hit point wise, I'm kind of low. And I didn't have this rubber suit, which apparently helps you against this electrical monster. <laughs> so mm. I must have spent, man, like two weeks, like calendar time. But like even last, like I beat it last night, at least the boss last night, the night before. Okay. Four solid hours at work. I had to recharge my switch, just going over and <laughs> over and over again. One of my coworkers came up wow. to me and goes, I keep hearing you swear. Like, what, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to beat the boss. <laughs> You know when you get so close and then, you know, the camera goes kind of wonky and then you lose sight of the thing and it oh. slashes you? Yeah. Well, that deserves a fuck. Yeah. It just, you know, you got to say, you got to <laughs> you know, I gotta just, you gotta, then you have to start all over again. So, uh, underpowered with some shitty weapons and I finally beat it. So, I can actually move on now. Hell yes. Because the new Mario yeah. game comes out tomorrow. Um, oh, I know. I ordered it via oh. Amazon, so probably won't get it until like Tuesday, Wednesday next week. And I'm okay with that because I haven't played the last two games that I bought <laughs> from Amazon. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I kind of want to get more. I, I, I kind of want to deal with the storyline in, in Zelda before I jump to something else. Mm-hmm. But even if I just do the storyline, yeah. I know that there's so much game I haven't even touched yet. So yeah, I might be right. stuck with this game probably till the new year. You know, see, I, so it's getting to the point now. So Mario's coming out tomorrow. Like I, I'm, and, and Chris, he, he uh, pre-ordered like the, the switch bundle with Mario and all that yeah. shit, like that one. And so like, it's getting to the point now where I just like, I really want to yeah. get a switch. I love um, it. Huge Mario. You know, I love fucking Mario. It's like yeah. what I grew up with. You know, I love it. I really want to play Zelda yeah. Breath of the Wild. And I know I can I can buy it on the Wii U. And from everything I've read, it actually performs better on the Wii mm-hmm. U than the Switch. But I don't know. There's just something about it. Like, I want to get yeah. it on the Switch. I don't know why. Um, but I think it's just because, like, you know, you have that portability to it also. It's just interesting I to have me. To admit, but I don't it, know. So, it like, is pretty cool I'm to interested. play the really game, like, on breaks and stuff at work during the day and on night shift when it's yeah. really dead. Um, to, to play a console game That's in your hands, cool. you know, and the better life, it is three, three and a half hours. So it's still pretty decent. Um, and then like you yeah, get it and then we can play Mario Kart online against each other. And then when Fire Wrestling Pro yes. comes out for the Switch, which is scheduled to time to be determined later. It's coming it's out for the Switch? Switch no and kidding. PC only at this time. Or I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, it's PS4. PS4. But uh, they're interested in the Switch. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Gotcha. I, I uh, brain fart. Is that's not out yet no, for the PS4? Not, is it? Because I would have had it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I need that. I Fire Pro Wrestling is by far the greatest, so I definitely yeah. need that. But mm-hmm. beside the point. But yes, <laughs> uh, you should get one. It's yeah, so. you know what? I I like to buy a lot of things. Obviously, you've seen from my fucking Instagram. I mm-hmm. also have a lot of debt now. Uh, but uh, I like shiny new things, and the Switch <laughs> day one. <laughs> Has still like I'm still enthralled with it. Like I've barely touched my PS4 because I'm playing Switch. Yeah. Now, of course, I haven't played much video games this summer, but uh, it, whatever I have been playing, it's been on Nintendo's. Cool. See, I just I know it's it's to the point where I really want one now, and so uh, I'll and see. And they're easy to I'll find now. Like yeah, they're, like they're, they're stocked. Yeah, they're stocked. Yep. Like my local WalMarts have tons of them. You can buy them exactly. off Amazon, no problem. So the whole yeah. scarcity thing is done. Mm-hmm. Don't buy it on eBay. Just go to a local retailer and right. buy it. Yeah, absolutely, definitely right. Um, 
and it's just like the thing that sucks is like Christmas is coming up. And so we've, 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 we're trying to stop using, we stopped using our credit card. And so everything's, ca- you know, cash, debit card, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's all, it's all cash. And so it's just, man, when you get to the holiday season, that gets very difficult. Yes. And so just trying to make that work. And so it might have to wait until after the holidays, but if I can swing it, then swinging it, I will Or see. you might get one for Christmas. You never yeah, I know. That's a very good point. Uh, good thing to ask for. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I guess one last thing I did. Yeah. So I re-signed up to the WWE Network. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yes, yes. Let's um, talk about this. Yeah. I get, and uh, after watching this last pay-per-view, I had people over this weekend on Sunday yeah. night. We roasted chicken wings on a barbecue. We had nice. some Smokies. It's fucking solid. Um, what wasn't solid was the wrestling. Yeah. Holy fuck. Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> uh, uh, Hell in a Cell. No, it's a TLC, uh, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. Mm-hmm. That was a fucking horrible pay-per-view. I mm. hated most of it. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I guess I'll, I'll let you rebuttal. But I thought the Asuka uh, yeah. Emma match was good, even though I thought mm-hmm. that Emma, um, she's an awesome wrestler. I like her a lot. But I thought she'd have a little, I thought it'd be a shorter match. With Asuka to try to show Asuka's dominance because a lot of people that you know watch Ron SmackDown don't watch NXT. Um, right. So I thought she'd be a little more dominant, a little more Goldberg ish, um, mm-hmm. but I still liked it. Um, trying to think of, of all the matches here. Um, the the Bliss match, I liked a lot. I like Alexa Bliss. I'm glad she retained. Yeah, I love um, Alexa Bliss. I think Mickey James is just such a great word, though. Like, yeah, I think oh, she. Totally. Together, they just put on a really, really strong match. Yeah, um, Baylor and uh, and uh, uh, AJ Styles. Um, oh, I really like that one. That was match of the night. Yeah, no um, doubt. It still didn't wow me like his other yeah, matches, it, though. Yeah, and that's the thing. I my, my expectations like were just off the fucking charts. Like, yeah. it would have had to have been like just. It would have had to have been just you know insane for it to possibly meet the expectations I had for it. But given the fact that there was no buildup whatsoever, no mm-hmm. story behind it at all, yeah. I mean, it was a very good match. Definitely the match of the night, probably the best match of the month out of the pay-per-views that I've been to in, in the wrestling I've seen. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's see the thing it's is not like, super memorable. I'm watching a lot of indie stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'm expecting, you know, more maybe indie-rific stuff. And I'm also expecting yeah. something on the caliber of, like, Omega Okada from New Japan. Okay. Just because these are two former uh, Bullet Club, you know, leaders. Um, right. I also expected um, Gallows and Anderson to interfere in some way or at least show up, you know. Um, oh, so, that would have been cool. Yeah. So I guess uh, – but they're still planting seeds because now I think this is going to lead into something happening at Survivor Series. But that said, though, then uh, Baylor gets killed on Raw against Kane, which I don't get. But that's oh, a different story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got pinned clean. Easy. So mm. what the, how, how does that make Styles look, you know? My fucking Kane. Um, right. Mm. I thought the main event fucking sucked. I did, too. Oh, my God. Um, Talk about disappointing. First of all, seeing Angle not come down in his music oh, to start I off. That's like because I wanted to chant, you suck, but in a yeah. nice way. Exactly. Um, he looked old, man. I don't know if I want to see him wrestle again. Like, you know, yeah, it's funny it's because he keeps saying it's his time. first time since 2006 in the WWE ring. But yeah. he's been in TNA up until like 
late last year. Yeah, and he wrestled he like look good. he wrestled like a month before he got here, before he got into the WWE in uh, uh, what culture pro wrestling in England. Yeah, he fought uh, El Patron or whatever Alberto de Rio. So I mean, yeah. like, yeah, he's not that much out of it, like by any stretch. But he no, definitely looked but, old there. But I didn't think he looked good though either. He looked really scrawny. So maybe yeah. he stopped working out like a worker and, anymore. And I think it's because of what he was wearing. I think because he had that stupid fucking vest on. Maybe. I think that made it look bad. But I thought yeah. he looked really bad at the beginning. Like it almost looked like he was just like an old man, like like limping around the ring. But then yes. when he came back down, I thought he looked a lot stronger. Like. Yeah, he could. Agreed. He might be able to go a couple matches still. But it's just like he had like the wide-eyed look, like oh my god, I'm doing this mm-hmm. again. It just he seemed he seemed out of it before even getting into the ring. I thought he just, looked just fucking like happy. Like I thought he was just genuinely yeah. excited. That's what I got from him. Like he it was. Just weird it to was me. glee. Yeah, it looked. Yeah, yeah. It just looked weird to me for a guy that's mm-hmm. facing you know who inserted himself in a three-on-five handicap match. Yeah, which again that match makes no sense to me. No, I don't. Um, I, I don't changed. know anything about the build-up period because I didn't. Well, I don't watch any SmackDown or Raw because I don't have cable anymore. But yeah, um, yeah, just the whole setup was strange. Like it was supposed to be a beatdown of the Shield, right? The five on three. Right. Oh, right. But yeah. since since Reigns was out and he was put in, why not have Jordan jump in as well and make it five on four? Yeah. You know, let's mm-hmm. wrestle back to back pops. Okay, son. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. That, that and then Jordan with the whole like, vegetable throwing stuff. That was just. Not yeah. like it wasn't. It was funny the first time. Second time, he just looks like a jackass. You know, like <laughs> I was actually rooting for Samson in the in the in the match. Oh. Um, but I thought the main event went way too long. So many oh, fucking chair shots. Like mm-hmm. they're wearing sh- like they're wearing padding. Right. But like I think every guy took like twenty chair shots to put on. Like I'm bored by chair shots. Yeah, you know. Um, I th- what it, kills uh, me? Yeah, is that it's the fucking tables, letters, and chairs event. And there was one TLC match, and it wasn't even like a traditional TLC match. Because now, correct me if I'm wrong. TLC matches usually end; they're basically ladder matches with tables and chairs, right? Like I'm not being an idiot. That's no. what a TLC match is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that, so they had no traditional TLC matches when the fucking name of the event is tables, ladders, and chairs. At least at Hell in a Cell when I went to that last month, yeah, we got two Hell in a Cell matches that were actually very, very good Hell in a Cell matches. Yeah. So it's like I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, they need to stop branding their events. But with stipulations and start using yeah. old WCW or ECW events. Call yeah. it Heat Wave. Right. Call it Clash of Champions. Well, Clash of mm-hmm. Champions has already been used. But like, why wasn't this called Halloween Havoc? Seriously. Oh, that would have been fucking amazing. Yeah. Like, Halloween Havoc is, to me, it's it's my favorite WCW pay-per-view because of the sets. Oh, I love it. Like, yeah. you know. Exactly. So why not right. capitalize on that? You own the name. You bought the company. Use it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just thought, and then the story with Kane and with Bront, uh, uh, What's his name? That was, yeah, Braun Strowman. Oh, Strowman, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought that was dumb. It just everything took too long. There's no way yes. a five on three match where the guys on team five should lose. There's 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 really it shouldn't mm-hmm. happen, but it did, yeah. and it's dumb. And you know, event ends, and I'm like, why did I re up for this subscription? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm gonna let Melissa watch. Her total divas and total uh, oh, uh, Brie and the twins, whatever. And yeah. uh, I might stay till like, oh, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch Survivor Series, and I'm hosting a party for uh, for uh, uh, for Royal Rumble. But I'm at, I might after Rumble like just cancel it again yeah. because 
it's I, I just get upset watching this stuff, you know? <laughs> I'm catching up on NXT right now, and it's cool. Oh, okay. But I don't think it's worth 10 bucks a month. I haven't I really watched don't. any NXT. But I am interested because NXT is bringing back War Games on the Friday. And that's, or the, yeah, the Saturday before Survivor Series. So that should be interesting. And really, that's the reason why I got it. Yeah. But I got it a month early because we had people over. Right. That's right. the only reason. So Honestly, I have hope. like zero interest in Survivor Series. Like it's, I fucking, I've never been interested in like interbrand matches just because it's not special. Like these people flop back and forth between these brands. Like it's not a big deal. And I don't know, it just doesn't interest me in the least. And it's another pay-per-view where the main titles are not going to be on the line again. Like, I don't think the Intercontinental yeah. title is going to be on the line, nor is the uh, Universal Championship yeah. on the line. It's no, like, the art. Isn't it champ versus champ for everything? Oh, is it? I thought it was just champ yeah. versus champ. I didn't think they were going to win anything. Because what the fuck do you do if, if Lesnar takes SmackDown's title? How do you fix that? Uh, I have no idea, but all the champs are meeting. So it's going to be Bliss versus Natalia. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be, um, uh, Rollins and Ambrose versus the Usos. Um, yeah, it, it's all like all the champs are meeting each other. Now, is it for the title? I don't know, but all the current title holders are facing each other. Right. But I, I'm like 99, I'm trying to look it up right now, but I'm 90, like 90% certain it's not for the title. Uh, I don't know. Which Who is- knows? I think the points me. It would be interesting if they did. I mean, it, it would, but I don't. How I don't. How would you like that? Wouldn't work though. I feel like because then you that would mean that you're like dissolving the brand split because then you'd have one champion. Or you have the champ working both shows until he loses one belt. It's a way to put. Uh, let's say to put the gender on Raw. Let's say he beats uh, Lesnar, but then he loses to Baylor on the following night on Raw. He still does. He still or he loses a SmackDown. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting, but it's WWE creative, so I don't think that's – I really don't think that's what they're doing. Yeah. We'll see, though. I'm not sure. Like, and you watched – you may have watched last – I didn't, so I'm not – you could oh, be 100% no. right. I don't know, but – No, we were watching um, hockey. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I fucking no. watched that, too, and the Wings lost. They can't fucking score one goal. They get shut out against the fucking Buffalo Sabres, who have let up the most goal – tied for letting up the most goals this season. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, Wings? Yeah. One fucking goal. Or Howard puts up a great game. Yeah, we were watching the Habs game last night, and it was like their okay. second win all year against oh, one of the teams. They scored five goals, thank God. Um, Jeez. Yeah. But yeah, so that's pretty much all I've done uh, these last few days. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So that's all for me. Well, interesting. Yeah. So um, I'm with you. I watched uh, TLC also, and I, I liked like the first four matches, basically, and then it kind of went downhill from there. Um, I thought the main event was just very poorly executed, really poorly done. Uh, yeah. Like, for example, you're talking about things just taking too long. For example, when the Miz runs up there and is like calling for the to- the dump truck, the garbage truck to come back, it took forever. Yeah. I'm like, how are you not like in your spot, ready to go when you get the queue, back that fucking truck up and move on? Like, I just thought it was just poorly executed. It's just sloppy. But, it's sloppy. Yeah, exactly. But other than that, so again, uh, I think it's just because I'm doing the uh, the 31 and 31 challenge here um, that I haven't really been playing video games this month mm-hmm. too much at all. Actually, I don't think I've played anything this but that'll change, you know, soon enough. Um, so anyway, yeah. I finished my 31 and 31. I am up to movie 37. I'm actually halfway through movie 38, which I will finish, oh, wow. um tonight after the podcast. Uh, but yeah, so it that definitely succeeded in my 3131. So not basically I've just taken it to watch a horror movie every day in the month of October, which 
I didn't realize, I didn't even think about it, but it's already the 25th. And so like, I'm fucking excited because that means I have like a less than, or just a week left, less than a week. And I will have completed that for the first time since like, I think the first time I watched a movie one, once every day for a whole month, I was actually going through my old movie list and it was back in 2012 during the inaugural Cinefashion Summer Screams Challenge. That was like the only time I did it uh, since then. And so I'm, I'm happy that I'm on my way and hoping that nothing pops up in between now and then that makes this impossible. Barring any of that, I will uh, be very happy to succeed at this. So I'm not going to talk about all are these. You gonna put, uh, some review- I'm st- are you going to put some reviews on the website or? Uh, you know, I, I haven't, everything I've watched, I haven't like had the desire to write a full review about. Um, and so I've just yeah. been putting them on Letterboxd. And so, you know, you can okay. always find my, my thoughts there, but it's very small blurbs. But how can we find you on Letterboxd? Uh, at Simon One, that's uh, P S Y M I N One. Huh. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Follow them, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, so I watched you know some shitty movies and whatnot, but um, hmm? so one I watched was uh, Vampire, the nineteen thirty two. What's uh, Carl Th- Carl Theodore Dreyer film? Uh, you know, this is obviously a classic it's in the uh, Criterion Collection. I think it actually recently came out on Blu-ray from Criterion. I have the DVD, which comes with like this big thick book with it, which is pretty cool. I haven't actually looked at that yet, but um, okay. this one, it has really good imagery. It's basically, it's like a, a nightmare feeling is what it gives you. Um, and though the imagery is very interesting and very neat, uh, it just doesn't really do anything for me. This is like the second or third time I've tried watching this. And the first couple times I fell, I fell asleep and just never finished it. This time I watched it, but... I don't know. There's just, it's just, you know, it's interesting imagery, but that's really all it does. That's interesting for me. Uh, the story itself is just like weird and uh, frankly, a little difficult to follow for me. At least it was when I was watching it this time. Um, and so, you know, that's not why you're watching it. I really think it's just what he, what the, what the director is able to do with it, you know, given the fact that this, the age that it is, um, it was a lot more impressive back then, I'm sure. But you know, someone looking back watching for the first time, it's 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 fine. Um, you know, do I recommend it as essential viewing? Probably not. I feel like there are other like um, uh, Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. I feel like is more essential viewing than this, um, mm-hmm. for example. But have you seen this one? Okay, yeah, man. Not that's really not much else to talk about that one. The next one I watched was a slasher film from 2015 called Most Likely to Die. So, okay. This one's on Netflix right now, at least in the US. Um it was pretty interesting. So, basically like this these group of um friends are I think they were all like basically on like student body council or no, they were all in the yearbook together, I think is what it was. And so now it's 10 years after they've graduated and they all come back to this one of their one of the friends' house who happens to be a hockey player who just got cut by the Rangers. <laughs> um, but come back to his house and they're just going to like, uh, plan for the, the reunion uh, is if I remember right. And, um, there is a killer there, someone dressed up in like a, uh, cap, like a graduation cap and gown. And he has this mask on and, um, on the mask, it says, uh, die on it, I think. And so it's mm-hmm. a play on most likely to die. Um, he has pictures up like, you know, in high school yearbooks, they'll say like, you know, uh, class clown, uh, most likely to, um, whatever, whatever the fucking things are. Like one of them was most likely to, um, 
like handle the hand she's dealt with or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Most likely to. Okay. You know, marry I have seen Rich. this. I've, I've seen the poster on, uh, on, on Netflix before. So. Okay. It might actually be on my list too. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. You know, it's worth it. I, I'd say, I'd say give it a viewing. Um, the only, and frankly, what I liked about it was the whole, the slasher aspects of it. Um, it's set up pretty well. Um, there's a decent amount of gore. It's not like super over the top gory, but it's pretty decent what they do have. Okay. Um, the characters though, they, so I just feel like the film takes itself too seriously. And these characters, <laughs> I don't know, just the way they interact, it's as if high school was the most important things in their life. And everything that they've done since was just so tied into what happened in high school. Um, this, the main girl that we follow, um, her story is that like, basically she was with, uh, one of the guys that's there, um, or is coming there who has, who bring, he's like a movie star now. Mm -hmm. And he brings this, this woman, his girlfriend back or to this thing. And she is just like drop dead fucking sexy. And, uh, she's in like a very skimpy bikini at points. You don't really get nudity. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's, she is very, very, very beautiful. Um, but anyway, she's there and apparently like, she, um, the main girl was like pregnant and he left her when they were like 17. Like he just took off, I guess. Okay. And so like she hates him and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like the, the situation is just gets too serious for what I would hope from, from a slasher film like this. Um, so I can look past that. It wasn't, it didn't kill it by any stretch. I think the acting was pretty well done. Um, actually I didn't realize until after, but Perez Hilton is actually in this. If you know who that is, he's like a gossip, um, yeah. blogger yeah. basically. Yeah, he's in this. He actually does a, a very, fairly decent job. Um, and the whole thing is pretty well done. Uh, the ending, the killer, I would say, is kind of predictable, but it does something a little... It kind of like sets up for the sequel type of thing at the end. Okay. Uh, which, frankly, I would watch a sequel. I think it'd be fun to watch. Um, so, you know, I think I gave this one two and a half stars. Uh, nothing stellar, nothing fantastic. I gave it two stars. So, um, but... If you have Netflix, you can watch it for free. It's like 85 minutes or something. It's a short one. Um, I'd say it's worth it. Worth giving it a shot just to see if it does anything more for you than maybe than it did for me. But Well, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear uh, hear your take on it. Next up was Splatter University from 1984. Okay. And this one came out. Um, it's very much a product of the slasher boom, the original slasher boom. And uh, it's just boring frankly like it's not a short one it's only like 78 minutes um i gave this one one star basically this teacher or this this our main actress the main girl um is taking a teaching job at a, at a university and the room she's in um is you know supposedly haunted because another teacher there got got killed there like i think it was a semester prior and so it's it's is stereotypical slasher as you get. You're basically trying to figure out who the killer is. Um, another one where like the the killer itself is not terribly shocking, uh, but I don't know. Just the whole thing to get to that point was just so like blah. Okay. There's so little memorable about it. Every when I was reading about you know people talk about um, like one of the first kills, like one of the first or second kill because there's like two kills in the first five minutes of it, and um, that part is pretty decent. That opening, the opening kills, but outside of that, um, I can't really remember any of the other kills. So I mean that tells you how forgettable they were. 
But other than that, I have been watching the Children of the Corn movies, and so I'm going to save those until the Best in the Backlog Challenge because it just makes sense. So Sure. Yeah. And really, that's that's about it. Um, Yeah, I bought Stranger Things like I talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, You have not gotten your copy yet, right? No, I'm going to be going to the States for at least, uh, hopefully, not till mid-November. Okay, that's right. I remember you saying that. Hopefully, it's somebody else and not me this time. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I did buy A War for the Planet of the Apes, which came out yesterday. uh, Because we're recording this on uh, Wednesday of this week. So, yeah, I Mm -hmm. grabbed that. And I decided to go the 4K route instead of the 3D Blu-ray route. Okay. Um, It was like 25 bucks at Best Buy. So, I did that. Um, The Mm -hmm. 3D was like 22, I think. And then the regular Blu-ray was like 20. So have not watched yet. And so I'm not sure, like, I really want to watch it just because I missed it in theaters. And I, this is one of my favorite, Planet of the Apes is one of my favorite series of all time. And so I really want to watch it, but like, it's not horror. And so <laughs> I'm just been waiting or I, I feel like I should wait, but I might end up, I'm off tomorrow. So I might end up watching it tomorrow. Um, as long as I, you know, get a horror movie in as well, it'd be fine. But yeah. So cool. that's pretty much all I can, uh. I can think of here. Let me just take a quick gander here. Make sure. Yeah. Yeah, that'll that'll be it. So excellent. All right. So with that in mind, let's jump on over to our review for the week. So we will be talking about 1963's The Raven. Yeah. So as always, there will be spoilers for The Raven. So if you've not seen this movie yet and you care about spoilers... Make sure you hit pause, go watch the film, come on back and hit play. And just to, uh, for reference, this is available on the Vincent Price Collection 2 from Scream Factory. It's not on the first one or the third one. It is on the second one. So, mm-hmm. Excellent. So The Raven from 1963 had its original U.S. theatrical release date of January 25th, 1963. Directed, of course, by Roger Corman. Written by Richard Matheson, based on the poem by Edgar Allan Poe. It has an IMDb score of 6.7 out of the 8,328 current votes. It has a no Metacritic score, but it has a 92% tomato meter score with an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 64%, which is interesting because that's quite a gap that we don't normally see. Um, it has a or it had a $350,000 budget with about a $1.5 million gross, and it clocks in at 86 minutes. So, Mark, what is your history with The Raven? Uh, first time uh, watching it for the podcast. Okay. Me as well. Have you ever read the poem? Uh, if if you count the Simpsons episode, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, have I read it? No. But I'm aware of it? Yes. You know, it, it's, okay. it's pretty meta <laughs> when it comes to Halloween, right. I think of The Raven. So, uh, but mm-hmm. have I sat down to actually read the poem? No, I have never done that. Yeah. I think I read this one back in undergrad, but I couldn't tell you at all um, what it's about. And I... Kept meaning all day today at work to pull it back up and read it, but I just kept forgetting, so I didn't. Don't but think it would make much of a difference for it, the film. Exactly. It does not matter because it's virtually – it takes the fact that there's a raven, and that's pretty much it like, from everything I've only. seen. Exactly. So and it's interesting because on this um, Blu-ray from Scream Factory, there is a PBS introduction by Price, mm-hmm. um, and he makes immediate mention that the raven has very little to do with Poe's poem. And, um, so that was interesting because I've, I've someone who's never seen the film. I didn't know that. Like, I thought it would just be like all the other stuff, you know, take, you know, basically the third act would be based on the poem and then everything else would just be making that work. But 
I, I had really the case here. Yeah, I had the same feeling. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so I'm expecting something dark and you know about a man yeah. who's troubled and somebody's knocking on his door and oh, it's mm-hmm. a comedy about dueling wizards. I'm like, yes, alrighty. So <laughs> let's yeah. let's let's watch this, but uh, right. not what I expected at all. And it's interesting in that in that intro, he always make he also makes note of the fact that uh, you know him. Lord, Peter Laurie and Boris Karloff didn't really understand the script when they first read it. And so they decided to like play up the laughs of it. Um, and a lot of the lines were ad-libbed, but Price and Laurie were great at ad-libbing and loved it. Boris Karloff was definitely like an old style British trained actor yeah. who memorized his lines perfectly and delivered them perfectly. So he was, uh, he didn't quite like that as much. Yeah. And so it was an interesting start. I normally on these, on these, uh, Blu-rays, they give you the option to play it with introduction or not to play it with introduction on other releases. Mm-hmm. This one didn't give me an option. It just played it. Otherwise I always avoid these because I feel like they give away too much. Okay. And so, um, here, I don't think it gave away too much. It just changed what I was expecting coming in. So yeah, well, that's well. I'm glad he actually mentioned it because I yeah. think if I'd be watching this for the first time without that that notice, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, when is this raven going to knock on your chamber door? You know, because it never happens. The raven never even quotes "Nevermore" in the film. Um, yeah, right. to, to say this is a pole film, it's it's like. Ugh, it's really stretching that uh, that title because yeah, this is not it's a, definitely a, a Matheson film. film. It's really not. Um, now, yeah. did you listen to the commentary track with the uh, film historian? I did not. No. Okay. How what, what, did you like that? Um, it was very dry, and he was reading like from a script okay. he wrote. Um, oh, okay. So I have very little notes because then you know every time a new actor would show up, it'd be the biography of the actor and like where he came from, and less about the movie. But uh, oh, gotcha. Um, okay. He mentioned, okay, so the uh, film historian, his name is uh, Steve Haberman, and he mentions that it's interesting that Corman's name gets the first title credit when the film starts, because apparently oh. he was so over with the horror crowd after the first four um, Poe films that oh, okay. it was almost like the Nintendo seal of approval on the Nintendo games that you were getting <laughs> a quality film. So that's awesome. Yeah, so at this point uh, in the cycle, I don't know if it peters off at the end or not. Um, but for at least for this film, he showed up first because the crowd would see his name and say, "Hey, that's going to be a good horror movie." Now, is that going to change awesome. after this film? I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I thought it was really interesting that he became his own little industry for those few little years uh, with, with all these uh, poet adaptations. Right. Yeah, that's very interesting. love it you know what this is completely sidebar but i'm pissed about the fact that we didn't argue about uh the robocop remake merits in our week in media section (laughs) next week i'm gonna write it down i'm not gonna forget we we can get back to it uh, when it comes to the best in the backlog challenge if you like yeah there we go perfect excellent yeah so um not much of a debate (laughs) (laughs) i know when you're wrong you're wrong right so exactly (laughs) So the opening here is remarkably similar to the others that we've had. So, but we get kind of the mix of the two. So we get the um, excluding tales of terror from last week. But before that, it was either ocean waves uh, hitting against the shore, or yeah. you get these weird colors. And here we get both. Well, that's and so cute. I was like, okay, 
it was scripted from all the other films. Like the, the opening shots there with the colors and the, and the crypt and yeah. the water crashing, that's all taken from the other movies. Okay. Yeah. So huh. that's why it looks similar because we've seen it before. Exactly. That's very interesting. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I did like the fact that Price was reading the poem over the start of the film, though. I thought that worked well. I gave it this eerie feeling that would then just disappear minutes in. Oh, yeah. um, well, and so I was kind of – go ahead. Well, he had to just so they can tie in Poe to this film. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I thought that was um, – and then we get this giant purple raven – just appearing in thin air as Price draws it with his fingers in the air. And I was like, oh, I I was taken aback. I was like, oh, okay, that's this is what this is going to be about. Like, this is weird. And then he walks over to the window and he hits his head on the telescope. And that becomes a, like, recurring joke a couple times throughout this. He hits, the, he hits that telescope. And I thought that was funny. Yeah, but just with those few moments by himself mm-hmm. drawing the raven and then you know being really uh, clumsy, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a total different vibe and tone from his other yeah. movies. To me, right. I, from that point on until the end of the movie, it felt like a Disney film <laughs> for myself. I'm like oh, I'm watching like I'm watching like another version of like Bedknobs and Broomsticks. It's like a Disney 70s, you know, or I guess uh, mid 60s. Um, it, it just felt like a Disney, yeah. like a family Disney film to me. It, it, I was going to say that would imply that it's, you know, aimed at families. And I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah. And this one, I could, I, I could see it be playing in like in matinees in the afternoon with families. Because mm-hmm. There's nothing scary about it. Right. But we do get uh, Price grieving over the loss of a, of a lover, a dead lover again. And I was like, man, this feels awfully familiar, um, you know, but it's not it's not Corman's fault. Of course, they were watching these once a week back to back like this. Yeah. But I can see if these themes continue, I can see this getting a little old soon. Um, it, it is funny, though, I, that all, all these houses are like side by side to cemeteries, but they decide to mm-hmm. keep all the caskets in house. <laughs> in the house. Like, <laughs> I <why>? know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just like a thing of the times. I suppose. I'm like, you know, it's like you're regal, so you're going to be entombed in the house, but you're living right beside a nice cemetery, you know? Make, make, right, make you a know? sewing room if you want, or get yourself a, <laughs> a writing desk, you know? So the raven is at the window, and I was freaking out because I'm like, that's fucking gross. Like, don't let that nasty ass <laughs> bird in your house. Like, clearly, this motherfucker's never seen the birds. I know it wasn't out yet, but still, like, you need to pay attention. My God, I hate birds so much. Well, and uh, I thought it was gross that he was letting him well, in. But- I was saying the same thing, though. I'm like, why do you want the bird to come inside your place? It's going to wreck your shit. <laughs> exactly. And then he's going to poop a little. Right. And good luck getting it out. I know. It just didn't make any sense. And then the bird starts talking. And I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, man. I was like, that That hit me just, that was completely out of left field. Hit me. I did not expect that at all. Fucking Peter Laurie. Yeah. His voice starts coming out of the bird. I'm like, the fuck? Yeah, I didn't. See, I'm watching these movies blind, so I'm mm-hmm. not even sure who's in the cast. So when I saw Peter Laurie again, I'm like, oh, I guess he enjoyed his uh, Tale of Terrors uh, experience. From right, the yeah. Time. You know, you know, God bless Vincent Price, though. He's selling it. Even though his acting partner is a fucking bird, I thought he was still doing a great job. Oh, yeah. And even like that man, bird, I found that bird very well trained for- I know. 
Yeah, the way it like would like uh like dip its head into the water when he was supposed to be drinking the potion or whatever. I was like, wow, good for that bird. I just Very noticed well one scene early on where they, I guess they filmed a few scenes of the bird moving a certain direction. Then he rebounded. Uh-huh. Then they played it again. Then rebounded. So it's kind of like they use a boomerang uh, feature in like one oh, little segment okay. of scene during that first uh, setting. Oh, gotcha. I didn't catch that. But so I think what really sold it as being just a straight, you know, straight up, you know, comedy was the f- the music. Mm-hmm. It is just so like, oh, like at one point toward the end, it's almost like circus like in it and how comedic it is. And I think that's very interesting because it's for, I first noticed it when they were walking down the first time to, uh, I think it's his father's lab, I think is what he calls it yeah. when they're about to make the potion. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't remember exactly what the music was, but I remember it being very, uh, like upbeat and just uh, broad and comedic in tone. And I thought that was really, really strange from what I expected. Oh, exactly. I, again, like I mentioned before, this is not something I expected for a movie called The Raven at all. Yeah. I like when I think of The Raven, I think of, you know, um, duh, WWE's The Raven. <laughs> Raven. I'm trying to think of his damn name and I can't think of it right now. I know it. Scotty, uh, Johnny Polo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Johnny Polo. Yes. But yeah. Um, so I feel like when Laurie appears so when he you know he takes the react uh, he takes the potion and then the lorry pops up that's when the movie kind of took off for me that's when i really fell for it because i love peter lorry as i mentioned last week i think he's just a fantastic actor in the little bit i've seen him in and now i've seen him in a lot more these past two weeks than i have before mm-hmm. and i think he's just phenomenal like his reaction to seeing his feathered arm for the first time, I thought was hilarious. Like he just does such a great job. And it's so genuine. Like he's like about to cry. And I felt sorry for him because he just wants to not be this bird anymore. And it's just, he's just such a genuine actor. And he just, the way his face is like made, it's put together with his eyes. They're just so big and it's, uh, they're so uh, vulnerable. And I think he's, he takes advantage of that very well. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, Vincent Price's character, Dr. Craven, actually was, well, he was, obviously, he's being very sympathetic towards Dr. Bedlow, but how can he actually yeah. trust him? Like, Peter Lorre does not look like a guy you can trust, yeah. <laughs> especially a guy who's just, <laughs> who just was once a raven, and now he's human again. What happened from right. to actually turn into a raven in the first? Um, I, I personally did not like the character at all. But he oh, had some funny okay. one-liners. I, I, I would yeah. like not laugh Absolutely. out loud, but some very like sharp. He had some really sharp lines that were ad-libbed, which mm-hmm. uh, which made me laugh once or twice. Yeah, like uh, the the first line I was like, "Oh, that has to be ad-libbed." Is they go down to get like more of the of Price's dead dad's hair, mm-hmm. and um, he they look around and and Lori goes, "Hard place to keep clean, huh?" <laughs> he says, yes, I seldom get down here. I was like, oh, that has to be an improvised line. I thought it was just hilarious. Yeah, see, those moments but, I did enjoy. Yeah. And it almost, it felt slapstick at points, which again, yes. just blew my mind. Like when Laurie starts like waving his feathered arms about as he's walking with that music that was with it, it just, it felt like I was watching a slapstick comedy. I was like, what the fuck is this? But I, for me, it was working. Like I was by, I bought in and I, I was enjoying it. But Okay. Um. So I love that both this character and the last one, um, Peter Laurie is portraying like a drunkard in both yeah. of these. I think that was just hilarious. I like when he takes like um, 
He's trying to drink the wine. He takes a sip of the milk and he doesn't like it. So he just spits it right back into the cup. See, like, I just thought that was really funny. Now, I'm not sure if he was supposed to actually pick up that cup or not. Because it yeah. looked like he screwed up and actually picked up the milk. <laughs> and it just went with it because it was a funny scene. You know? Right. And that would just work. Uh, and make it, I'd love it even more if that were the case. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was pretty humorous. But it is funny because mm-hmm. not that he looks like an alcoholic, but he would look like somebody no. that would enjoy his right. alcoholic beverages. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I think it was very well cast. Definitely, I oh my god, the cast is one of my is one of like the shining points for it. I I would say I love the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about that more. I feel like as uh, as we go on here because it, as it gets introduced, I and they, I like that they <laughs> they introduce again another doctor potentially taking a married woman, <laughs> and that turns out that's exactly what happened. Well, he doesn't take her, but she goes to him. So it's same idea. And, uh, yeah. But. Which is funny because she doesn't go to him for love like the other right. ones. She goes to him yeah. for his possessions. Yep, exactly. You know, because in the other ones, it's and all like, he, you know. What he's capable of. Yeah, it's it's all about power and money with uh, with uh, Lenore. Uh, she's not mm-hmm. uh, she's not with Dr. Scarabus for, uh, for his body or for his face. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, like again talking about the slapstick i thought this was hilarious they take the time he's um so peter uh i i keep referring to them by their real names so their their actor their character names but uh craven and bedlow are go to uh lenore's casket he's trying to show lenore or trying to show bedlow that lenore is in fact dead mm-hmm. and so he has this blanket over it they take the blanket they take the time to fold it together and then Bedlow just grabs it and throws it behind his head and it just right on the floor. Like that that was fucking funny. Like I was laughing out loud a lot more than I probably should admit, but that was just another one of those moments I thought was really like the comedic yeah. timing was just really perfect and it works really well. Yeah. It, it, it's funny because like at, at some point uh Bedlow is the straight man to Price. Yeah. But then also, Price or Craven is the straight man to Bedlow. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's not like one's wacky and one's uh, right. one's always serious. They kind of yeah. interchange, which I kind of like. Yeah. Not that Bedlow is ever that serious, but they're able to yeah. work off each other. Yeah, I think there were like three moments that were probably my favorite in the film, and all three of them have to do with Bedlow. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because the first one was just a couple seconds later. So. And like, I was dying, man, watching this by myself in my basement. I was just fucking dying. So, um, Craven suggests that Bedlow should put on a coat before they go on their journey. And so <laughs> he, he mentions how he hates black and he doesn't want to touch that one. And so he's like, oh, what about that one in the back there? And so it's this long red coat. And so, right, <laughs> just like, it's fucking funny, man. Lori, uh, Bedlow puts it on. He's really happy with it. Takes a step. Uh, Craven's foot is on it and he falls right on his face, man. Bedlow falls right on his face and says, it's a little long, isn't it? Like, oh my God, it's just so fucking funny. I loved that scene. So well done. It just had me cracking up. Between that and then him picking his hat. Oh, <laughs> that's the next one. Yeah. Like he mutters oh my to God. himself. Like, you're like, oh, I, I don't want to mm-hmm. get cold. So he goes into the closet and he starts picking <laughs> things out. Like, it, it's, yeah. it's the little things which I actually do enjoy by the character. The fucking line. I, I swear to God, I almost like pissed myself. I was laughing so hard. Um, 
so for the, all the hats, right? The first one like comes out, falls over his face. And he's like, oh, I can't see through this. And then he's like, well, what about this one? He's like, oh, this is nice. It, this, this like green matches my coat better or something. He puts it on and he goes a little big, isn't it? And then the, he, and then finally, after he says, no, I don't want that one. I don't want this one. And then he's like, well, how about this one? And then he says, he sees it. He says, oh, really anything will do. And then he puts the hat on. <laughs> oh. It's just so funny. Like he spent fucking 45 seconds picking out the hat. And then at the end says, really anything will do. Oh, it's just so funny. So fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, and that's what sold me. I was just, I was like, do whatever you want, man. Like I am a hundred percent behind this right now. Like I was dying. You make me laugh. You pretty much, you have my heart. So I would have to admit like their interactions for myself is the high point of the film. Okay. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. like that scene when they're ready to leave is a high point. Yeah, definitely. And then we get the, uh, oh, so I, well, I won't jump ahead. So then we get this goofy ass scene, this mind control scene. I don't, it was the big dude, uh, maybe, uh, Grimes was his name, I believe. And, um, he gets, he's supposed to go, go get the chariot or whatever, mm-hmm. or the, the chariot, the wagon, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. And, he gets mind control and he comes back in and he just starts like swigging the axe at them, trying to kill them. That whole scene was just ridiculous. I like how Bedlow handled it because he literally just runs and hides. <laughs> but, um, you know, eventually they, they, um, Craven is able to use his magic and get him out of it. But See, this is where it starts to get uh, a little too silly for me, where I start disliking the film. Is, okay. You know, the way that Craven gets knocked out is just, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's too silly for me for it being in the <laughs> Corman Poe cycle of Edgar Allan Poe yeah. movies, you know. Um, it is definitely goofy as hell. It's I would so agree goofy. with you there, but I and then just the, the yeah. look of the of the guy's yeah. face when he's swinging the axe looks mm-hmm. goofy. The whole matador yep. thing that Bedlow does to subdue him for a split second, <laughs> and then, oh, then the speeding, but I the speeding of the film to make it a little more, hung, uh, a little more. Yeah, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Benny. It, to me, it oh, felt very Hill. Benny Hill like. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just it's at this point where I'm like, yeah, this is not going to be the same typical horror movie we're, we're watching here, and th- it's it's at that point where it started to sour for me. Okay. I just started to dislike the film because yeah. it's just too silly for what I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. No, I could definitely see that, and I I didn't particularly like the love those moments, but yeah. um, I think this the things surrounding it were good enough that it made up for it. Because the next scene is um, the interaction, so we meet Bedlow's son, who is played yes. by the superstar Jack Nicholson. And a very young Jack Nicholson. Very. Yeah. Can I be like 100% honest with, you, honest with you? I did not realize that that was Jack Nicholson until like the dinner scene when they were at um, Scarabus's house. Like okay. I didn't realize. I've totally – like I knew he was in this just from looking at the cast list. But I mm-hmm. didn't realize that was him until that point. But what I loved about this, him touching – so uh, Rexford – touches Bedlow's like shirt almost like he's like trying to fuck with his pin or something like a button on his shirt and just mm-hmm. Bedlow continuously knocking his hand away and then he eventually just yells at him I thought that was so funny that I was I was cracking up man I loved that because it's just so like stupid like clearly Rexford wants Bedlow's attention you know that's 
they say like that's his character's motivation is basically to have his father pay attention to him. And so the way he does yeah. that is by touching him. And so they just keep he keeps trying to touch him and he just doesn't want anything about of it. And I was dying. Yeah, he had pretty big father issues. Uh, I'm yes. assuming Bedlow was never around when he was a kid, always mm-hmm. going, you know, trying to scam people with his magical shenanigans. <laughs> Right. Um, so he really wants, uh, or Rex really wants, uh, his father's love. And his father is always preoccupied with something else that he doesn't have time yeah. to give it. Yeah, but I really liked, uh, I liked their interactions together. Frankly, I wish they had more together because I feel like, I feel like Nicholson is probably the weakest actor in this entire thing, which is crazy to think, but he just seems so out of place next to these other guys who are like, this has been their career, you know what I mean? Like they are veterans, old veterans at this point, that this is the type of film that they've been doing, or at least this setting. Um, maybe not this comedic, but this setting. And Nicholson just feels like he doesn't belong. Um, I thought he did well with what he had, but I don't know. He, I, I thought he did okay with what he had, I should say, but I felt like he was definitely the weak link out of the group. Yeah, I agree with you. I think him and as well as Olive Sturgis, Estelle, uh, uh, Price's uh, mm-hmm. daughter, they don't have much to work on. Very so they're little, just kind of yes. whole hum. But, you know, yeah. they're not the future point of the film, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, I thought Jack, just because we know what he's worked on since, right. he did look a little funny with his Robin, uh, Robin Hood hat on. Yeah. And it, he just seemed out of place in this yep. film. And it's and you're right. It's probably because of how well we know him and what we know him from yeah. that it just feels off so you know not his fault obviously but i can't you know i couldn't shake that feeling the whole time so yeah what did you think of the outdoor scenes? so you don't get a lot of outdoor scenes in these movies but we do mm-hmm. have one here um even though it's pretty short um but the uh where like the wagon takes off when uh, rexford gets possessed oh what do you think of that me, scene to me that looked completely um well, at least the scene where there, it's him and Estrell um, facing the camera. Well, that's all soundstage. Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine that being filmed outside. And then, well, the again, because for some reason, Rexford got possessed by Dr. Scarabus. How? I don't know. But now he's speeding up the the horses. They're galloping at high speed. It just looked, mm-hmm. again, fake to me because they're, they're filming. like It's like they're, the, 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 the camera's going twice as fast to make it look like they're going faster than they actually are. And uh, to me, it, it looked it looked fake. Yeah. Again, hmm. it makes sense for the for the time, you know. But to me, it right. just it looked again. It's like a, a Disney thing to do, you know. Yeah. If a car is going super fast, you're going to speed up the film. Same thing right. with this, you know. It, the uh, carriage is going, you know, quite fast, so it's sped up again in a Benny Hill style, minus the Benny Hill music. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So again, it made for comedic effect in a way, but. It just, I, I, I didn't like it. See, I don't, and I, I'm kind of on the opposite side mm-hmm. of, of you there. I like, I thought it looked pretty, pretty well done. Like it, I felt like it was genuinely disconcerting because it looked like they were just moving at an uncomfortable speed that that, that chariot should not have been moving at or that wagon, whatever, what is it called? What are the It's words? a covered wagon. It's not a ch- covered wagon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. I just felt like it shouldn't be going at that rate. And so I was kind of concerned, but at that point, oh, no. I think it just goes to show like, how how much I was in. I was just, I was buying in, I guess. That'd be because a, the com- comedy got me. That would be a carriage. Carriage. Yeah. Thank you. Carriage. That's that's the term I'm searching for. Yeah. Yes. Carriage. I'm such an idiot. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. But yes, carriage. But I, I don't know. I just, I don't know what I was going to say. Never mind. Understandable. Yeah, never mind. 
Yeah. I love the look of the castle, of uh, Scarabus's castle. It just it felt like a dungeon of sorts, and I thought that was really cool. And uh, the statues surrounding the fire, like those, I guess they'd be um, gargoyle-type things. Yeah, the I ones, thought they looked really great. The one spouting the fire at the end there is like a, it was almost like a flamethrower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those look really cool. Like, they look like dragons to me. Yeah, that, yep. Yep, I, I'd say you're right. Yeah. yeah they, I thought, but I think just the whole ambiance of that I thought was really good. Oh, sure. And then Boris Karloff enters, and I thought that was just awesome to see him there. So honestly, I don't know that I've seen a Karloff film outside of like his work in Frankenstein. Uh, maybe, you know, I saw like Black Sunday, I think it was, but I didn't really like that one. I don't really remember it, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, this is really the first time really seeing him work. And um, I think think he's you know i just think he's he's excellent as expected well, but i had no idea that he was the voice of the narrator and the grinch in how the grinch stole christmas oh really i had no clue yeah okay yeah he actually won uh i think a grammy or something he won he won an award for his uh, narration oh i think they released it on vinyl so i think that's why they got a grammy but yeah he's a narrator and and the voice of the grinch yeah and i had no idea yeah i knew that just i that's like ugh. So that was like the only thing I knew of Boris Karloff for some reason. I don't know why I knew it. I feel like it was like one of those weird facts that my grandma told me once and I just happened to remember it. And so that's yeah. actually how I knew him before watching like Frankenstein and whatnot, uh, was just his voice. Okay. But, and I take that back because I did see him in, uh, I forgot that he he played uh, the, he was like the lead in The Mummy. I forgot about that. But, so I did mm-hmm. see him there too. But still, it, w- it was good to to spend more time with him, I guess, if not you know, the first time. But- a very solid actor. He's, I think Frankenstein's still like my favorite of his. I think he's just so good in those films, but uh, very well, solid. There's a movie I want to watch of his now after listening to the commentary. It's from 1968 and it's called Targets. Targets. I knew it. I knew you were going to say it. Yeah, I want to see that so really? badly. Yeah, it's the first time I hear about it and it sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And like looking at the synopsis quickly on IMDb, an elderly horror film star while making a personal appearance at a driving theater confronts a psychotic Vietnam vet. Yeah. Who has turned into a mass murdering sniper. Yeah, I know. So I've... he gets this obsession with Karloff's character and wants to kill him. It sounds really cool. It's uh, P- uh, Peter uh, Bogdanovich. It's his first uh, directory role. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's one of the best films of his career for for Boris. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I think I have it on DVD. I just got to find it. And I yeah. uh, I really want to check it out. I just haven't, uh, haven't yet. But yeah, I've heard awesome things about it. So... Ever since I heard about it, I was like, yeah, I got to, I got to, tra- I got to track that down. And Yeah. But yeah, very cool. Yeah. So we'll have to watch that at some point and uh, discuss it here on the show. Mm-hmm. All right. So again, Lori had me laughing. His reaction when uh, Scarabus puts like the food and the wine on the table, he was just like, I don't know. He just like ooze or something, ooze and gets super excited. I thought that was just wonderful. And um, So then fucking Peter Lori or, uh, Jesus. Bedlow is trying to challenge Scarabus yet again to like a magician's duel, basically. And um, he gets killed, or so we think. And I was shocked. I was like, my my favorite fucking character in the whole thing just died. Like, what <laughs> the fuck? What I didn't understand, though, was why he was like turned into raspberry jam. I thought that was very strange. Well, what I find funny as well, it just shows you how shitty of a magician Bedlow is mm-hmm. that he needs his bag of equipment right, to do magic while yeah. uh, Craven and Scarabus, they just use their fingers. Mm. 
And that's like the whole drive behind why Bedlow is like, you know, trying to lure them here, right? Because he wants to learn the ways of Scarabus. He wants to learn the ways of the magician. Um, So he doesn't have to use that bag anymore. um, And then we find out, son of a bitch, she faked her fucking death again. Like this is a very specific theme. First, I wrote down Poe, but then I realized it's not Poe. It had nothing to do with Poe in this case. Um, it's all Matheson. Uh, Matheson. A very specific theme, th- uh, theme that Matheson likes to use, I guess. And he just keeps going back to during this during this time period of uh, this, this you know, handful of years while he's writing these films. Um, but another faked death, so. But what I do like, though, is that uh, the actress is um, Hazel Court. Hazel Court, who yeah. Who we saw in uh, week three of the premature burial. Premature, yep, exactly. Um I think she does a really good job here. Like I, I hated her, and you're supposed to hate her. Yes. You know. Um. I think she does does that evil really well. Mm-hmm. I agree. I thought she was fantastic. And then my boy comes back. <laughs> Peter Laurie comes back, but then you you find out it's just another uh, another dirty double turn. Um. At first, I wasn't sure. Like, is Bedlow, you know, being quote unquote bad or is he the is he like screwing them over like what's going on i wasn't sure but then as you kind of like piece it together i really feel like he was he is just a piece of shit and then kind of redeems himself at the very end when he decides not to leave as the raven but well to me bedlow the fact that he lured him go ahead to me bedlow he's very opportunistic so he yes. will, he, you know, his allegiances will uh, change with the way the wind goes, depending on if, it, right. the, you know, if he can make, make out with more money at the end. So I don't think he's good yeah. or bad. I just think he's uh, devious and he's a, uh, he's, mm-hmm. uh, he likes to scheme things. So. And I think, you know, he was clearly trying to lure, um, Craven there, but I, I genuinely don't think he thought that, um, Estelle was going to join him. The daughter would join yeah. them. And I feel like that maybe bothered him, which is probably why he ended up sticking around at the end. And then obviously with his son and everything. And his son for that matter. Yep. So then we get, so this is right before the big, like the big um, duel between the two of them. But you get like the Price versus Karloff standoff with the blue and green lasers coming Uh from their fingers. It totally reminded me of like Star Wars. It was like Luke versus Vader with their um, uh, lightsabers. I thought that was just hilarious. Um, I... (laughs) It made me happy that Bedlam came back to help to help yeah, save the day. I, I thought that, that looked so silly, and until a point where they looked embarrassed. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I didn't like that at all. It just it just felt again. It felt Disney to me. I just did not like yeah. it. Oh man! So, what did you think of the uh, the Battle of the Magicians? That whole scene. It's silly. It was stupid. Yeah. So okay. sitting, you know. It's like dueling gunfighters, but they're facing each other, sitting on thrones, wiggling their fingers. Right. At this point, I, I was really not enjoying the film. Um, so maybe it's just, you know, me waiting for the film to end. And I just thought it was ridiculous. I just, it didn't, I didn't get into it at all. I thought it looked dumb. Um, I was not a fan of it. I didn't like it. Yeah. So. You know, even as into the movie as I was at this point, um, I could definitely say that this was, you know, one of the weaker points of the film. Um, Mm -hmm. It just it felt like Corman trying to show off some cool camera tricks that he and his crew recently learned. Um, You know, it was kind of interesting, though, because like if you look at like a lot of almost all of excuse me, Price's actions were all defensive outside of the bat. And he never really tried to attack Karloff at all, like directly. 
Um, whereas Karloff was basically all on the offense of trying to, trying to get him down. So I thought that part was interesting and I liked the way they did that, but the whole thing just felt strange to me. You know, he talks about magic at the beginning of the film and how the, I forget the guy's name, but the person who like did all these, these tricks, how, you know, he, how he created the magic. Um, and it just, that doesn't really hold up today just from what we're used to. Yeah. Um, no, nothing they can do about that. You know, it's just the way it is, but. It just felt strange. Felt well, not strange, just long, I guess. I, I, I think Craven is learning through this duel that he needs to have a pr- prior to it all. He he was hiding himself in his own castle, having right. the glass of a milk, pining over his dead wife. Mm-hmm. Um he was very secluded, almost went back to a childlike state, again, you know, drawing the raven. I think yeah. it's these last two interactions with Scarabus where he actually started to man up a bit. Mm-hmm. And while he didn't develop a killing blow, um, he did find the courage with himself to to defend himself in a way. Right. And save the people he loves. Um, mm-hmm. which I I feel this 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 story kinda is a journey from like man child to man, you know? Because then yeah. uh, you know, and then he like he doesn't he doesn't kill Scarabus at the end of the duel, even though it's a duel to the death. He right. shows yeah. mercy. So, exactly. you know, I think he, he he's grown as a magician, uh, pardon me, as a magician and mm-hmm. as a person and is now able to step out of his father's shadow. You know, and, and you say he, he shows mercy and he, he does, he doesn't directly kill him, but at the same time, this place is burning down. He doesn't do anything to rescue him. Um, and what I love of it also is that he just he just left his ex-wife there to die. Like, I was like, good, fuck her, you know? But um, I guess the counter to that, though, is there is a point where Price or uh, Craven turns and, like, makes, like, a half a step and then something falls in front of him on fire. And so maybe mm-hmm. you could argue that he was going to go back for one or both of them, but is blocked by the fire and so he has to leave. But I don't know. I like it that he just says fuck them both and leave. Yeah, but I I still think he's left them both that they're going to be okay. Like they're encased in rocks, so he can't they can't chase after him right away. Mm-hmm. So he's able to get home. Um, but you know, even while they're encased in rocks, hey, uh, Lenore is like, you know what? I don't think it's going to work for me anymore because yeah. you've lost your mojo. Right. And Scarabus is like, yeah, I don't think I'm the magician I am anymore. So oh. they're they're not dying. They're just stuck together. Like, oh, now I don't like you anymore, and I'm stuck with mm-hmm. you until somebody does actually like you know help us get free. But, like, the um, whole place blows up, so, I mean... Does it? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Right at the end, right? Yeah. Maybe I was looking at my phone to see how much time I had left <laughs> on the film. I'll be uh, honest with you. I don't remember it blowing up That's at the how end, I remember but... it, but I could be wrong. Um, oh. But... I could be wrong, too. I love... I didn't even mention the fact that... Um, what's her name? Um, Lenore is, like, once she realizes that uh, Scarabus is going to lose, that she's, like runs to him and she's like oh you've saved me i was under his spell blah 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 and he's like yeah fuck off i really like that yeah she's she's a total gold mm-hmm. digger and Kirby don't have time to play that. right yeah i'm look. i was i could have been wrong i mean i'm mixing up i've seen i just watched so many different things and like so many of them ended up ended <laughs> with like blowing up at the end and so i maybe i'm mixing in a children of the corn here so i, I looking at a synopsis it doesn't say anything about it blowing up so maybe i'm just making that up Anyway, I love that. So then obviously you get this final, these final moments here, like this epilogue and, you know, um, he's in uh, Bedloe's the Raven still. And 
I like that Craven doesn't immediately turn him back. He said, you know, that's something I'll take into consideration. That's a request I'll take into. I love the final line, staring right at the camera. Quote the Raven nevermore. And again, mostly just because it reminds me of Raven from wrestling, who I was a gigantic fan of. <laughs> but either way, it was very cool. And it has that like circus-like music to end it, which I just at that point felt very fitting. But do yeah. Do you have any other um, like interesting tidbits from the commentary that you want to talk about, or do you want to just move over to your final thoughts and your star rating? Yeah, let's go to the final thoughts. I, the commentary track was again from a historian, and uh, he was really just giving histories on like the actors as they came on and early stuff on the film. Um, but it wasn't like a regular commentary, so it was a little disappointing. Okay. Um, so I'll go straight to my uh, final thoughts. Um, watching this. Not knowing what type of film this was, I finished the film being very disappointed in it. Um, I was expecting some gothic horror, and I got some slapstick comedy. Um, now, although I did praise Price in his previous role in Tale of Terrors, mm-hmm. um, I despised this film and his role in it. Um, it felt too cartoony to me. Um Again, it was made for laughs and not for scares. Uh, it's just, it wasn't at all what I expected. Um, I'm disappointed, uh, in, in, in this film. Um, especially if they're branding it as a pole film, which has nothing to do with pole whatsoever. Um, I will give this half a star. Half a star. Wow. Yeah. All right. Wow. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So. Like, I mean, The Raven was nothing at all like I expected. This is our our first full-blown comedy horror film in the cycle. And to me, it was just genuinely laugh-out-loud funny. The cast, it's about as good as you could ever get. Vincent Price, Peter Lorre, Boris Karloff, Jack Nicholson, with a script written by Richard friggin' Matheson. I mean, it's not even fair. It's just, it's hilarious. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. Outside of those four household names, Hazel Court as Lenore is fantastically evil as well. Um, And the whole thing just reeks of stature. It's got legitimately legendary actors, a legendary writer, a legendary director. I mean, there's no way this could have gone wrong. And for me, it didn't. Frankly, uh, this was, like I mentioned, one of the weaker roles I've seen Jack Nicholson in, just because he just doesn't seem comfortable in this type of role, but he's fine. Um, outside of that, and I guess outside of the the whole magician's duel, which I just felt like went on for a little bit and was just kind of felt goofier than it needed to be as uh, someone watching it for the first time today. But other than that, I don't really have any other complaints. You know, I laughed a ton. Um, I was just sucked in by the goofiness and the commitment that these superstars had to their roles. I loved the Raven a lot more than I expected. So I'm giving the Raven three and a half out of four stars. Wow. Polar opposites. It's actually funny. Honestly, I had this at four stars until we started talking about it. And then I was like, you know what? No, this isn't per- This isn't excellent. This is just a step below. And so I, I uh, lowered it down to three and a half as we were going through it. So yeah, we were almost complete opposites, but yeah. That's okay. Together we make a whole. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Excellent. So let's jump on over to round 39 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge, where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. So as a reminder, for this feature, each of us takes a look at the other's unwatched pile. 
be it their home video collections or one of their streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu, and pick one film that the other hasn't seen yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast where they then give a quick review of that film. So to to uh, recap, Mark, you watched 2015's The uh, Bunny, The Killer Thing. Yes. And I watched 1995's Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest. So, Mark, I was hoping to watch Bunny the Killer thing, but I kind of forgot about it until it was too late. So I didn't get a chance to because I know it's on Amazon um, Instant. But go ahead and talk about that one a little bit. Okay. Bunny the Killer thing, 2015, out of Finland. Um, So the story goes where this writer gets kidnapped, gets um, a syringe full of a custard-looking substance injected into him. Where he then turns into a over-sexualized, horny killer bunny. Um, <laughs> and then proceeds to fuck anything that crosses its path. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. So, think think a... Okay. So, when I watched it, I had the Dead Snow vibe. Just because it's finished and it's in a cabin. Um mm-hmm. And it also had a vibe of Wolf Cop in its DIY or DIY, I should say, uh, feel to it. Um, okay. So yeah, it, it it felt very Wolf Cop. It felt a smidge of um, of uh, Dead Snow. And there was another film that it reminded me of, and I just I can't think about it right now. But anyways, um, mm. it's it's ridiculous. It's gory. It's over the top. It's not PC. It's also very funny. Um, a lot of masturbation oh, jokes. Um, you see people, uh, guys' dicks getting bitten off. Um, lots of blood. <laughs> um, I think the word pussy is the most used word in the script because that's what the killer thing yells out. Uh, he just goes, pussy, and then runs after you because you're really horny. Um, it's it's silly. It's it's a low brow, but it's exactly what I expected it to be, and I loved it. Um, the, the, there's a weird subplot involving um, a car that uh, got uh, broken down on the side of the road, and three guys are stranded. It adds to the kill count of the film. Um, it was a little silly. But, you know, I enjoyed it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I knew, I saw the trailer. I knew what I was getting into when I watched it. So I had the right from my mind. And it's just fun. It's a fun, stupid movie that you should watch with friends that enjoy fun, stupid movies too. That won't get insulted with some maybe non-PC material. Um, but it's, 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 it, but it's open season to everybody, guys and girls. Uh, so it's dumb. Um, I'm glad I didn't watch this at work because I was almost going to bring it to work one night. Say, hey, you can watch this. I'm glad I didn't. Um, yeah. There's a bit of nudity in it. Again, there's a lot of a lot of blood. Um, but it's stupid. It's funny. I liked it. I actually gave it uh, a decent rating on Letterboxd. I would give this here for our review three out of four stars. Oh, very good. Oh, yeah. cool. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Excellent. So... While uh, I'm going through mine, so while you're picking mine, the only thing I'm going to ask is yes. that we keep is that we do something horror because we have a okay. just a, sh- a lot of shit to do between now and our next one. So it'd be awesome if I could 
you know, knock out a movie uh, for the it, day. It, <laughs> it's too bad you said that because you know what I had picked? Oh, what did, what did you pick? Oh, I lost it here. Give me one second here. Give me two seconds because I had picked uh, a fun one. Uh, Legends of the Guardian, the Owls of Gahul 3D. <laughs> That my wife would have been, be Bridget would have been thrilled, but uh, yeah, that, it'd be cool if we yeah. could do something horror. And I'm going to try, I'm going to find something for you horror too, just okay. for the, the month. But anyway, I'm so, locked in with new decision. There you go. Excellent. All right. So back when um, I was first collecting movies, I would spend like tons of time and money at Walmart because they used to have these awesome, cheap horror movie collections. For like eight bucks, you'd get 10 movies, sometimes more. But anyway, that's how I ended up with the entire like Children of the Corn collection or the vast majority of the collection, if I remember right. So I've seen the first one a few times. And frankly, I don't like it much at all. Like outside of the badass opening scene, which just like tells you that this is going to be such a cool movie. And I've seen that opening scene is what sold me on this movie. Like, yes, I have to see this movie. But outside of that, I just find the first Children of the Corn to be boring as hell. And I find it incredibly overrated. And frankly, it's not even it's not even loved that much, but I still think it's overrated. Um, and because I disliked that one, I never spent any time with any of the sequels. But since you gave me the third film in the series to watch, I decided I had to watch two and then finally go to the third one. So <laughs> lucky for you, you're actually going to get a trifecta of reviews right here. So just bear with me. Um, now that said, I enjoyed both. Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice, which was the last theatrical release of this series, which actually came out eight or nine years after the original and still made it theaters. Let that sink in. But anyway, I enjoyed Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice, and Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest, more than the original film in the series. And I will say really quickly that I think the second film is the best one in the series out of these three, but Urban Harvest is not too far behind. So... I guess that's all I talk about on Urban on the second one, but either way, um, Urban Harvest, the third one here, it's about Eli and Joshua, two kids from Gatlin, the home of the infamous murderous children from children from the original film. These two brothers get adopted for some unknown reason by a Chicago couple, and the kids end up in Chicago meeting their new parents for the first time at the beginning of the film, which is just a weird fucking situation. Like, how do you adopt a kid without meeting them? It, I I didn't understand that at all. But either way. <laughs> That's where they get this, this the subtitle Urban Harvest from because it takes place in Chicago. So Eli, the younger brother, brings corn to the city and manages to start a cornfield in this abandoned building next to their home. So anyway, the power of he who walks behind the rose is with him and bad shit starts to happen. So this is definitely more. And so just to recap, the second film takes place like immediately after the first one. And it takes place in like the town over. So like they bus the kids from from Gatlin to this new town I can't remember the name of, and then like we're following this guy who's driving through town trying to like get his job back at some like gossip rag that he works for, and so he's like, oh I got to get this story, and so they decide to stay, and then you follow those that story. That's the second one. So anyway, this one here it's definitely more of a like so bad it's good film, but damn I thought it was worthwhile. It is ridiculous and over the top, but it really goes for it. And it's just fun to watch. I would have loved to see more um, development of Eli like gathering cult followers 
because all of a sudden he's just kind of like a loner. Then all of a sudden he just has all these followers and they just jump to it. It's like, it's almost as if like they, they cut out scenes, but didn't like leave any of that hinting in what they should have. But, um, and aside from that, um, they hint about Joshua and the father not getting along, but that's also really poorly done. Um, and like I said, it just feels like there was deleted scenes here that would have dove into both of those aspects a lot more that could have made it a stronger movie. But I don't know. The, the finale is a lot of fun because like the antagonist turns into this just crazy creature and it just goes batshit nuts. Um, but there's some decent gore, some cool kills, and I just like the main characters. Well, actually, I fucking I hated uh, the one main character. I don't want to spoil anything. I hated one main character, but you're supposed to hate that character. So, you know, good for them. Good for that, uh, that actor or actress. They did a wonderful job. But, you know, Urban Harvest, honestly, it's not going to appeal to many. But after all the horrendous shit I've watched this month, and, and God knows I've watched a ton of bad movies this month, Urban Harvest has something going for it that I really liked. So it's definitely not a good movie, but it was entertaining and I was never bored. Again, I liked it more than the original, but not quite as much as the second film in the series. So this is definitely an instance where I'll recommend the movie to those with an open mind for this type of good, quote unquote, bad horror movie. But otherwise, you probably just want to avoid it. So I'm giving Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest two and a half out of four stars. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Have you seen this one? Oh, yeah. Back in the day when it hits, uh, when it's Cinemax. Uh, oh, okay. Ray Market Direct TVs, like in the yeah. late 90s. and. I remember the only thing I remember from Urban Harvest is that thing that grows at the end with the tentacles. Yes. And it goes in people's mouths. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I probably I have no gag reflex. Or, <laughs> or I have a very, I should say, I have a very uh, sensitive gag reflex. Yeah. So I, I know, all yeah. I know is like, I'd probably start puking and die. That's so funny. That's hilarious. But, uh, out, of, out of everything is that final scene with that thing. I can't even describe the thing. I just remember the tentacles going in people's mouths. And I'm like, yeah. Ugh, that's great. I mean, it. It is basically just a thing. And honestly, it kind of reminded me of The Thing. It kind of looked okay. like what that what The Thing turns into from John Carpenter's The Thing at one point. Like, very yeah. similar. But, so, also note, I did watch Children of the Corn 4, The Gathering, after this. Okay. And I don't care what anyone says. Like, this is a fun fucking series. Excluding the first movie, which I just don't like. 2, 3, and 4 have been a good time. Um, and The Gathering has Naomi Watts in the lead role of all fucking people. And Really? Yeah, and it has Cinefessions uh, podcast alum Karen Black playing her mother. She, of course, was, <sighs> um, you know, we talked about Karen Black when she was in the Rob Zombie films when we did his arc. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So The Gathering was probably my least favorite of the three sequels, but only because the like the male lead they have for it, he's just a bad actor. Um, but otherwise I liked it still. I think it's fun. It just follows the same stupid idea, you know, and they're back in, um, they're out of the urban setting back in like cornfield setting. Um, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, um, I liked it. Um, it's, and it's kind of like the first real detailed origin story, story we get for the series. And though it doesn't work perfectly to tie all the movies together, you know, I bought in, I can go with it. I'm fine with it. Um, and so I'm going to try to watch the rest of the series before the month is out. Um, and I'm at halfway through number five right now. Um, I okay. watched actually, I'm like 25 minutes through number five. Um, and it's decent so far. Um, and so I'm interested to see where this one goes. I haven't really gotten to anything too terribly interesting with it yet, but we'll see where it goes. And so if for whatever reason I can't finish these all by Halloween, then I will finish them next month for sure. Cause I'm liking it. 
And cool. I'm surprised these don't get talked about more because they're like they're not great movies. They're not even arguably good movies, but it's a fun series. Like it, you know, it it's just an interesting idea, and they go with it, and I think it's fun. So. I'm surprised more people haven't don't talk about it, and I would really love to. I would pay a pretty penny for like a Blu-ray collection of the entire series. Of that. You, you hear that Mill Creek Entertainment? We That's want right. a Blu-ray copy of every film. Not that series. Maybe not, maybe not Mill Creek because that's who has these DVDs. Maybe like Arrow or Screen <laughs> Factory or you know something like that. You hear that Mill Creek? <laughs> Speaking of yes. I should have my um, Arrow release of like the third or fourth time I'm buying the thing on Blu-ray arriving tomorrow from the UK. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm, I'll have to- I'm excited for you. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to tell you about that uh, next time. Yeah, so. I need to make that. All right, Mark. Yes. Let's talk about next week and what the hell we're going to watch. So what do I get to watch for round ceremonious round 40 of the Best in the Backlog Challenge? I'm going to go with this ditty right here. Blood, okay. <laughs> Blood Wings, Pumpkinhead 2. Oh, you're doing it's it again. Lame. Going with a sequel. Yes. Now I got to watch the first one. Well, you said you need to watch movie a day. That's so right. now I got two to watch, son. Uh, so this would be with uh, Soleil Moon Fry pre-breast uh, uh, surgery because uh, I guess she had a uh, a reduction. Oh. So this is pre-breast reduction surgery, Soleil Moon Fry, a.k.a. Punky Brewster. What? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. I'm excited. So you've, so you've never seen the first one either? No, I've never seen these. No, and I own them on uh, Scream Factory uh, Blu-ray, but I've not watched yes. either of them. So I'm excited because I have been wanting to dive into these. I think Chris watched the first one recently, like within the past okay. like, two days. And so I was like, oh, I need to watch that. So this works really well. They're good times. Perfect. Excellent. So, all right. So what are you going to watch for next week? Oh, I was curious. I think yeah. this is wrong because I think we've talked about this, but I'm just going to ask okay. it anyway. Have you seen Oculus? I just did. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, I just did. I posted a review of what, maybe a week and a half, two okay, weeks ago. I thought so. I just couldn't uh, – wanted to be certain because I saw it on here. Yeah. All right. So I am going to have you watch, if you have not watched it, mm-hmm. 2001's Caro, Caro, it's Pulse. It's how you say it in English. Cairo. Cairo. Have you okay. seen that one? I have not seen that one. Okay. I've heard... I have to make sure that the disc works because I think oh. it might be a Region 3 film. Oh. Um, but I will double check and let you know. Okay. Yeah. If, if it doesn't, just uh, we'll, we'll audible in the middle of the week here and uh, okay. I'll give you something else. But I think I've heard that this one, I never really liked the American Pulse. Very much. No, me neither. And I've heard that this one is actually significantly better. Um, and this is one that I've been meaning to watch as well. So maybe I'll get around to it too. Yeah. Yeah. Can you say the name of it again? Uh, Cairo. Cairo. Thank you. Yeah. So I'll have you do Cairo. That's, that's how I pronounce that's it. How, that's how it's going to be pronounced from, from for us here on the show. So okay. from 2001 Cairo. Perfect. And again, if it doesn't work, we will audible. So listeners, excuse us as if it doesn't work. So yes. we will have something. But either way. So here's a good life lesson for everybody out there. Red wine, it's very dry, and it dries <laughs> out your throat, as opposed to yep. water, which mm-hmm. does the opposite. And uh, yeah, I'm an idiot, and didn't bring water into the room, and just uh, red wine, and so like my throat has just been like killing me, <laughs> like a dumbass. And so yeah, I've just been sucking down more of this wine. So 
Well, you know what, though? If you uh, drink too much water, you can die as well. So it's, there it is. you know, you just can't trust liquids. Exactly. Fuck them all. That's right. You know. Might as well get drunk and enjoy it, right? Exactly. <laughs> all right. So that's going to wrap things up for this week. So remember, we will be back with uh, next week, next Friday, November 3rd, with a review of 1963's The Haunted Palace. So make sure you watch that one before next week. And that also is on one of the Roger Corman releases, either one or two. I can't remember offhand. But on one of those, so definitely check that out. And I said Roger Corman releases. I meant Vincent Price. See, this wine is getting to me. And so uh, we're going to wrap this up here. But anyway, if you have questions for us here, just hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag InFilmWeTrust for any questions you'd like to have us answer here on the show show so we can bring back the uh, question of the week segment. And if for some reason you're not on Twitter to use the hashtag InFilmWeTrust, you can give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK. Or email us at contactusinfessions.com for any of the question of the week options you might have for us. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is that you might be listening to us. Um, And again, it's super easy to leave a review on iTunes now with the uh, new iPhone update. All you have to do is pull up the podcast app, search for the podcast, or just go to your shows. I'm going to assume you're subscribed to us. And hit five stars, and boom, you're done. You don't have to write anything if you don't want, but... Obviously, we'd love the feedback. Let us know how we can improve. And so definitely give us feedback if you have any. And also tell your friends. Let us let people know we're here so we have uh, just a larger audience to talk to, can do more more fun things when there's just more people, right? So definitely mm-hmm. let, let people know about us. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love interacting with you guys there. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, we're there at Cinefashion, so make sure you're following along on all those platforms. And Mark, where else can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Mark, M-A-R-C underscore Nadeau, N-A-N on Instagram at mnadeau 2 Fantastic. And you can find me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. And if you are curious on which horror movies I have been watching for the month of um, October, you can find that complete list with some of my short thoughts and star ratings for each of them. Right over on Letterboxd, you can find me at Simon1 on Letterboxd as well. Mark, you're on Letterboxd too, right? I am. Perfect. Uh, as for what my ID is on Letterboxd, give me two seconds. I think it's the same as my uh, as my I think Twitter. it's Mnadoji, right? Yeah, I think so as well. Oh. I'm just going to – or not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Don't... Anyways, but yes, I am on Letterboxd <laughs> as well. If uh, Perfect. Just search uh, Mark yeah. Nado and you'll yeah, find just, it. Yeah, just search Mark Nado and I will be Absolutely. there somewhere. Perfect. All right. So, uh, Mark, this is not for you because you and I are talking again before Halloween, but this is for our listeners. Okay. I want to wish all of you a very happy Halloween and whatever it is that you decide to do, I hope you have a blast and stay safe so that you can come back and listen to our dumbasses rumbling, rumbling, (laughs) rambling. I just feel like an idiot right now. Rambling is the word I'm looking for. Thank God this is almost done. My glass is almost done too. So, <laughs> all right. And I work the next your... day after the next podcast, so I won't oh. be drinking. Well, if I would have known you were drinking, I would have drank too. But I'm also <laughs> getting over a cold, so right. Yeah, probably exactly. good. Yeah. That wouldn't have been good. But yes, but. have a happy Halloween, folks. Don't forget to check your apples for razors. Amen to that. Mm. And watch Trick or Treat because it's one of the greatest Halloween movies. Yeah. And if you don't like Snickers, you can uh, tweet me. Or DM me, and I will send you my address. You can uh, send me all your Snickers. <laughs> He'll use the U.S. address, the P.O. box, so you'll be good. Yeah, it'll be cheaper for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make it worth my all drive. All right. Now. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly right. 
All right. I want to thank everyone for listening to episode 109 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film we trust. We'll catch you next time. Yeah.